Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Earlier today on my morning show, I made a statement that I believe that Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat, is trying to engage or gin people up towards violence against the Supreme Court if they should not favor the idea of reducing, eliminating, or limiting guns in the United States, of somehow engaging the idea that laws that limit firearms and your ability to engage the Second Amendment are somehow valuable and important. He made the statement, did the senator, if the Supreme Court eventually says that states or the Congress can't pass universal background checks or can't take these assault weapons off the street, I think there's going to be a popular revolt over that policy. He continued by saying, and I'm quoting, a court that's already pretty illegitimate is going to be in full crisis mode. I stated on my morning show that I think that the senator from Connecticut is trying to engage in ginning people up to acts of violence against the Supreme Court. Allow me now to triple down on my statement. This is exactly the kind of thing that leads to violence against the court, and it is Senator Murphy who should be censured by the full Senate. If Chuck Schumer was any kind of leader or any kind of man, he would stop this talk right now. But of course... That's not what Schumer's going to do. In no way is that what Schumer is going to do because it's Chuck Schumer who has engaged in the same exact kind of conversations as Senator Chris Murphy. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you. I'm sorry. That's violent talk. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what is going down with you? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. This is who he is. This is what he does. He is not interested. Chuck Schumer is not interested in people being decent. Chuck Schumer is not interested in people being engaged in a rational conversation. Chuck Schumer is interested in destruction of his enemy. Chuck Schumer is interested in being on the full-on attack. And Chuck Schumer doesn't care what happens to the Supreme Court. Someone came to kill Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and Chuck Schumer could not have given a damn. He didn't care. He didn't care at all. Does anybody think that he did? Does anybody think that he that he somehow cared what happened to these Supreme Court justices? Cared that he was ginning up uh, people uh, to, to violence? Of course not. Of course not this was chuck schumer on this was on msnbc a couple years back talking about what happens if you take on the intelligence community let me ask you i don't know if you have seen this i don't want to blindside you with this this is a this is um the latest 
statement, latest tweet, as you were just saying, the president-elect's latest, latest yeah. unsolicited pronouncement on the intelligence community. This was his tweet just a little while ago tonight. You see the scare quotes there. The yeah. intelligence briefing yeah. on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday. Perhaps more time needed to build a case. Very strange. We're actually told, intelligence sources tell NBC News since this tweet has been posted, that actually this intelligence briefing for the president-elect was always planned for Friday. It hasn't been delayed. Look. But he's, he's taking these... Shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. He's the president of the United States. The intelligence community is going to attack him? You do this, they'll come back at you. This was him, as, as one could see it, kind of goading the intelligence community to go after him. Chuck Schumer has been fine from the beginning with the repercussions, with political repercussions, with people being attacked. He didn't care that Kavanaugh was being threatened. It mattered not to him. But let's go back to Chris Murphy. Now, I consider Chris Murphy to be an objectionable person. I have never liked the guy. I consider him mealy-mouthed. I consider him weak. I consider him to be not only a bad legislator, but I consider him to be everything we don't want. And now, this anti-gun zealot who is upset with uh, judges who say, look, you can't put uh, kind of restrictions on the Second Amendment. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. We've been through this. It says what it says and doesn't say what it doesn't say, and that's the end of it. It's one thing to say, I want to engage legislation like this. I want to engage legislation like that. Go about engage your legislation. Even if I consider it wrong, I'll rely on the courts to say, yeah, you can't do that with the Second Amendment, and therefore it'll be, it'll be uh, rendered unconstitutional, and that'll be that. What Chris Murphy is doing is different. Chris Murphy is ginning people up to engage in violence if the court doesn't do what he wants done on guns. It is violent to say if the Supreme Court eventually says that states or the Congress can't pass universal background checks or can't take these assault weapons off the streets, I think there's going to be a popular revolt over that policy. He's ginning people up to engage the quote-unquote popular revolt. He also couldn't define what an assault weapon is, but that's neither here nor there. But you'll notice with the left, they've always got a reason why the courts are a problem. The courts are a problem when they don't get what they want from the courts. That's when, that's when the courts are an issue, guys. When they don't get what they want out of it, that's when the courts have to be changed. That's when things have to be different. That's when you have to do expanding the Supreme Court or you are you packing the Supreme Court. You have to open other courts. Did you hear this? This is the CEO of Planned Parenthood, Alexis McGill Johnson. She's on with Jen Psaki, who has the show on MSNBC. Did you hear this? Listen. And so we think it's incredibly important now to both name the fact that we need to see expanded courts from, you know, the lower courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. We need to see term limits. Uh, we need to see ethical, you know, reforms, um, raising very questions about the fact that these these people with lifetime appointments 
um, that are very much out of step with where the majority of people are on a variety of issues means that, you know, the the legitimacy is, in fact, in question. They don't agree with me. So the legitimacy of the court is in question. Roe v. Wade should have never been decided the way it was. Roe v. Wade was wrong. It was an absolute horror show from the Supreme Court, and I'm glad it was overturned. It never should have been there. The right to an abortion doesn't exist in the Constitution. To say say that all of a sudden it did was, of course, nonsense. Go about creating legislation. Knock yourselves out. You've never heard me argue against that even if I disagree with abortion. But my gosh, to claim that it exists in the Constitution was always wrong, was always an overreach, always. The Dobbs decision and therefore the overturning of Roe v. Wade was the only right response and bring it to the states. And in the states, you'll notice uh, that the political right has totally gummed up the works. They've done an absolutely horrible job of being able to tell their story. Why? Because Americans want abortion to be legal they do they just don't want it to be every day americans are not on the side of zero abortion and they're not on the side of partial birth abortion or infanticide they're really in that 15-week camp now do they all understand scientifically why they believe 15 weeks no no, they, they absolutely positively don't. But somewhere they said in their head or the, the mathematics went, look, you, really we're talking about first trimester. You can make a decision. We don't like it, but let's at least not throw people in jail. And can we just move on from this conversation? That's where they are. That's where they are. It also happens to coincide with a number that exists in the vast majority of the world. Let's just do this and be done and stop thinking about it. Thank you. That's where Americans really are. The the pro-lifer has been trying to make you understand for near 50 years that when they say they're pro-life, they mean it. And they're going to say, no, there should be no abortion. It's murder. That's it. I don't have any bit of pause in me. The end. And then there is the person who believes in destruction. Remember, abortion via progressive means is not about women's rights. It's about the idea of, of certainly a, uh, a level of control, but it's really a control of the people and the population. And they're going to say abortion anywhere, anytime, for any reason, including infanticide. They're going to quote uh, Governor Ralph Northam. I mean, that's what they're going to do. And people forget that the former governor of Virginia said, he said it in a radio interview. One, uh, first thing I would say, this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and uh, the uh, mothers uh, and fathers that that are involved. Um, There are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. 
So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So that's a discussion of whether or not to kill the already born baby. That's what it is. It is the former governor of Virginia, when he wasn't doing blackface, discussing the value of infanticide. He did that on a radio interview on WTOP. I mean, that's just, that is just something else. That's not where Americans are at. Yet, according to uh, the CEO of Planned Parenthood, we have to change the Supreme Court. We have to add more courts because, well, we need the Northam level of abortion. Do Americans believe in some level of gun control? I don't believe they do. What the data says, the, the, the polling, if you will, is that they believe that you should go through a background check. It certainly says that they're exhausted by seeing the killings out there. The difference, of course, between this and abortion is that the Second Amendment exists and uh, there is no amendment for, for abortion. So the argument that a right to keep and bear arms to protect oneself should be diminished because of something awful happening out there doesn't actually hold. It doesn't uh, hold water. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a, a valid argument because my right should not be removed because somebody else does something awful or, or terrible. When they discuss the fact that the vast majority of Americans believe in X, right? They, 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 they believe in, in common sense gun reform, but they don't ever discuss what common sense gun reform is because the people who push those kinds of things don't believe in anything that could be, I guess, a rational conversation. They believe in your inability to have a firearm. They believe in limiting you to 10 rounds. They believe in limiting the amount of ammunition you purchase. They believe in limiting the types of weapons you purchase, a la we need to ban these assault weapons which is what Senator Chris Murphy said. This is a guy who is a fool who thinks AR stands for assault rifle. But that's not what AR and the AR-15 actually stands for. And these aren't assault weapons. If I throw a tissue box at you, is it an assault tissue box? Stop it with the silliness. Americans dealing with rights don't have their rights denied or somehow constrained because other people do bad things. But yet somehow something that isn't a right at all, abortion, has to be expanded. If you ask me if Chris Murphy, the senator from Connecticut, was pushing for violence, violence, Against uh, Supreme Court members, I believe from that the answer is yes. Other people might see it differently. But certainly, we could see that his ideological desires are predicated by putting pressure on another branch of government. My advice to the people of Connecticut is to put pressure on Chris Murphy by voting for someone else. I'm Tony Katz.
If you ask President Biden, things at the border are going fantastic. And, and you, you, you fool, you doubted him. Bracing for a surge of migrants, but at least for now, that has not happened yet. Homeland Security officials say there were about 4,200 encounters yesterday, as they call them. That's a big drop from the day before. And yesterday's numbers are less than half of the 10,000 seen at the U.S.-Mexico border in the days before Title 42 ended. Just minutes ago, we heard from President Biden as he completed a bike ride. And here's what he had to say about the situation down at the border. How do you think things are going at the border, sir? Much better than... Much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> Do you have any plans to visit no, the border? No, I think. Pardon me? Do you have any plans to visit the border? Not in the near term, no. No, it'll just be disruptive, not anything else. See, you all expected it to be bad, but I'm a, I'm a genius. I know what I'm doing. I can even go for a bike ride. And, and, and oh, you, you silly, silly uh, uh, people. My goodness gracious. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Is the border better? Well, there have been less crossings, but there were 10,000 crossings plus a day in the days before Title 42 expired. Maybe there's a theory that Title 8, which is what they're using now, which is, well, the original rule, if you will, that goes back to the 1940s, is worse than Title 42, which is certainly an, an argument. And as we've been discussing it, but it only matters if it's actually applied properly. In the meantime, we've got some serious problems still at the border. Bill Malugin talking on Fox News. What I'm hearing from multiple CBP sources is that on Wednesday, Border Patrol agents in the San Diego sector arrested an Afghan national who crossed illegally and was later deemed to be a match on the FBI's terror watch list. It's never good when you've got terrorists coming across the border. And, well, this is just one of them we happen to catch. Lord knows what we're missing. So I don't think that Joe Biden should be bragging too much. How about this from the mayor of Denver, Colorado? You know, we uh, are seeing a, a bit of a, a lull, if you will, in the number of migrants that are coming into Denver, at least in the last uh, three or four days of the week and then through the weekend. But on last Tuesday, we hit a uh, epic number. Close to 400 came through the city of Denver, again, creating a need for us to for me to, as the mayor to reactivate the emergency operations center and to begin to put our agencies on notice and to engage everyone in our efforts to try to continue to provide the best care we can for the migrants who come to our city. New York is getting overrun in other places. Well, good. You have to share in the pain. It's not all up to Texas. It's not just their responsibility to deal with all the insanity. What a foolhardy thing to think. The numbers have been down. And I'm putting that to people not knowing what Title Eight actually does. And as we've described it, Title Eight allows, I think, Homeland Security way too much latitude. You can just decide, oh no, this group of people's fine. Oh no, that guy no. And so you don't have a real uniformity. And it could be that people are just trying to figure that out. You have these groups, these immigration groups saying you shouldn't even be enforcing title number eight. How dare you, uh, Mayorkas? How dare you, Biden? Man, the real pressure not to have a border. I'm glad the numbers are lower. What does it mean? Well, that I can't tell you. Do I think it's going to last? No. And I think people would be foolhardy to think that it would. I think we've got a lull. I don't expect the border to get better anytime soon. This is Tony Katz today.
That is why today I'm announcing my support for a new amendment to the U.S. Constitution. That amendment would raise the voting age in this country from 18 to 25, but still tell you that you can vote at 18 if you either do service to this country six months in the military or six months as a first responder, or else at least pass the same civics test that we make an immigrant pass to actually become a voting citizen in this country. Yeah, Vivek is wrong. This is a really bad proposal. And the more I think about it, the less interested I am in it. Even though I've stated, let's raise the voting age to 25. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I've made the argument that you can do much more damage with a vote than you can with a gun. Therefore, we should raise the voting age. But in the reality, if we're going to say that the age of adulthood is 18, well, then the age of adulthood should be 18. And 18 should be when you vote. 18 should be when you have a drink. And 18 should be uh, when you can own a weapon. It shouldn't be 21 to own a, a long gun or a rifle. It shouldn't be 25. That's all ridiculous. And we have a judge that has said as much, I think the judge was out of Virginia, right? Uh, said, whoa, 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 you can't decide that someone's rights begin at 21 when clearly they begin at 18. Their Second Amendment rights, they're allowed to purchase a weapon. You're not allowed to tell them which weapon uh, they can buy when the weapon is legal. Now you're making an age requirement and therefore that's not going to work. That's selective. Now you have selective rights in the United States. Pfft, nope, gone out. And that was the, the correct answer. Vivek's argument, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's running for president of the United States, is based on what? Is based on the fact that today's 18-year-old can't seem to handle a damn thing? That these are beyond children? That we've raised a generation that seems rather helpless in way too many cases? A generation that brings their parents with them on a job interview? Oh, that happens. You better believe that happens. So therefore, we have to raise the age. And after all, we know so much more now. We have all the data that tells us that the brain isn't fully formed until 25. So, you know, uh, that's when you should be able to vote. This is the argument that a presidential candidate wants to have while trying to court Generation Z to vote for them. Weird flex. And you're going to get this done via, via constitutional amendment. So you're going to get uh, two-thirds of Congress to vote for it. And then you're going to get three-fourths of the states to be behind it? Sure you are. Sure you are. Uh, this is silly. This is, this is uh, pure silliness. And it's not silly if you said, I want to raise the voting age. You want to raise the voting age with caveats. And those caveats involving service that you find acceptable. Well, serving in the military, becoming a first responder, what if someone's in a wheelchair? Now, not knowing every rule in every place, there could be places for people to serve. But you get the question that I'm asking. What if you are incapable of doing such a thing? Physically. 
What if you are physically incapable of doing the work that Vivek says has to be done? Now, maybe he has already written in a caveat here, a caveat there, a caveat everywhere. What if there is a moral objection to being in the military? What if I want to serve my fellow man, but I'm afraid of fire and I can't be a first responder? I get sick at the sight of blood, but I want to do something. The things that Vivek has put forward are things that would make you say, yeah, this is important. But what he's arguing for is you don't get your rights until you engage some kind of conscription. If we were to take a look at the Israeli military where you have to serve two years if you're a woman, three years if you're a man, because there are differences between men and women, and that's just the way it goes, um, you could say, well, that's a very, very important thing. We should look at that in the United States. If we have to do that in the United States, we're in such a worse place than we think. It's hard to fathom. Israel doesn't do that because they want to have a society that is rooted in this idea of service. They do this because they have to survive. Because Iran is the enemy and Hezbollah gets funded by Iran and Hezbollah is the enemy and Hamas is the enemy. And way too many other nations are the enemy and they have to fight for their survival on a daily basis. The rocket attacks and everything else. Have you seen the videos lately of the sirens going off and people having to pull themselves off the beaches to get to shelters? If your society, wherever it is you live, was like Tel Aviv on any given Tuesday, you'd be like, what the hell is this? And when do we kill the enemy dead so we can live in peace? They serve because they have to. Now we're saying, do these things or don't get your rights on time. I'm sorry, that's a ridiculous argument. It has zero value. If you said, we're raising the voting age to 25 because an 18 year old has been proven by science to be a schmuck and we can't have schmucks voting because you could do more damage with a vote than you can with a gun. Therefore, 25, case closed, end of discussion, follow the science, move on. That would be an argument that one could defend. Vivek has put together an argument that you cannot defend, in my view. But this brings us into the 2024 election, which it's very clear that I'm going to need some I'm going to need some kind of sound effects for to get everybody into the 2024 election. I've been working on some, you know, to be like election 2024. Ah! I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. I uh, here. Let, let, I, I worked on another one. I worked on another one here. Election 2024. Loud noises. That one's not bad. That one's not bad. Um, we've we've got um a couple of them here. Here's another one. Here's another one we have. Get ready for election day 2024. F these people. Yeah, you see that one. That one has has a chance. That one's got some opportunity. Right there. Um. And then, and then there, there, we, we threw this one in. I'm not so sure about this one. Election Day 2024 is coming. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. So I don't know. I don't know which one's going to work. I'm not sure which one's going to play out right there. But in Iowa over the weekend, DeSantis v. Trump, and we should be clear, DeSantis won the day. I don't care if Trump supporters like me or hate me couldn't give 
a damn. And for the people who want to scream that I'm such a never-Trumper, get this through your heads, guys. Be clear. I have stated more than once that if Trump is the nominee against Joe Biden, I'm voting for Donald Trump. That's not never-Trump. I have argued that you don't need Trump to win. You need a fighter to win. And there is a question regarding Trump's ability to win a general. I don't care what he did in the past. I care about what's coming. And a lot of people are tired of his crap. He's popular, but a lot of people are tired of his crap. I question his ability to win a general. Maybe other people can win a general because they don't bring the baggage. That's a legit argument and conversation. And I really am not interested if the people who are only Trump are going to call me names, blah, 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 blah. I sleep fine. The cigars still taste great. My steaks come out perfect. Did a reverse sear yesterday. My first reverse sear, I did not know I could make my Traeger do it. I didn't know. So the reverse sear on a, on a steak, we were using a mix of Delmonico's and top sirloins. They're, they're lower cost. I think they, there's just remarkably good flavor uh, within, and especially the way we were, we've been playing with some rubs in the house and, and trying some things. So this was uh, a salt, pepper, garlic rub uh, that went on there that was just wonderful. And so you put it on your, your smoker, Right, I use a Traeger uh, at like 225, you could do 250. And you put it on there for about an hour. And you take them off and then you raise the temperature to 500. Now, if you have a different kind of, of grill setup uh, or smoker setup, you might be able to get more heat. Like if you have a green egg, you can really get the heat and really get the sear. If you have a smoker, you wanna get grill plates, which I think, I think they're aluminum and they conduct the heat better and they get they get hotter so you can actually get the marks and i was able to get them with the with the grill grates they were it was spectacular really really good now i i think i did some temperatures wrong because i i well i should say timing wrong so i did temperature wrong um but for the first go on the reverse sear it's terrific. So you start at a low temperature for about an hour, and then you take them off, then you bring it up to, to 500. If you can go higher, you, you, you can. Um, and then uh, you do like two minutes, two to three minutes on each side to get the sear, to get some of that uh, char, to get the, the grill marks. And then next thing you know, five-minute rest time, and you're eating, and it came out great and, and wonderful. And it didn't matter that the only Trumpers were angry with me. I, I, I was fine. I, I, the steak was delicious. Iowa. DeSantis goes, Trump does not. DeSantis is here, DeSantis is there. DeSantis has 37 members of the Iowa legislature with him and all on his side. He's doing talks, he's doing just fine. As a matter of fact, the Associated Press wanted to write that DeSantis had a problem connecting with the crowd. None of that's true, the Associated Press lied out their butts. They flat out lied. There is video after video after video of DeSantis, shaking hands, talking to people, hanging out, doing all the things. It's a lie. DeSantis can compete in Iowa. That doesn't mean he's going to win Iowa, but he can compete. The people who have been saying that he can't compete are, of course, ridiculous and wrong. Trump was scheduled to be in Iowa. He was going to have a big rally in Iowa. The problem is no one showed up to the big rally. Now, that's true. That's factual. People were not there for the rally. There was also for a short time a tornado warning in Iowa. So Trump took to Truth Social 
to say, uh, listen, everybody, uh, stay safe. Stay safe there uh, in 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 Iowa because uh, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of storms right there's a lot of storms and and I can't make it there but you get to safety and stay safe you great patriotic Americans whatever it is that he said DeSantis looks at this and goes oh and near where Trump was supposed to be there is a barbecue place and DeSantis shows up. And DeSantis is shaking hands and he's kissing babies. He's like, guys, it's so great to be here on such a beautiful night. It's a direct dig. It's a direct dig. And DeSantis did a couple of these. We can't be focused on uh, the losses of the past. We got to be focused on the wins of the future. Direct dig at Trump. And I, the, 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 the only Trumpers, uh, they have been trying to spin this four ways from Sunday. Sometimes you get beat, guys. Sometimes you get beat. Did you have a rally planned that wasn't going to get the audience? It certainly does seem that way. Did you cancel it and utilize the tornado warning as cover? Absolutely, you did. You, this is what you did. Is that acceptable? I I'll let other people debate that. Sure. No, whatever. The point is DeSantis was there and DeSantis took advantage of the opportunity. And there was a crowd for DeSantis and people wanted to see him. People did not shun him. That didn't happen. People been trying to say that Trump is going to take Iowa. I have no idea if Trump's going to take Iowa. Let's see them both actually campaign. Then maybe we can make a call. Everybody is so quick, so desirous to rush to the judgment. They don't take a breath or a beat. These people are ridiculous. They're fakakta crazy. Can we see them campaign? Can we watch a little bit? That's my plan. I'm not buying into this one can't or this one can't or this is the only choice and this is the... No, 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 no. I'm going to do what I can to ensure victory. And I'm going to let the people do what they can to ensure they're listening to the messages and making the choice that they feel is necessary. This is my interest. This is what I'm going for. Anybody who says DeSantis can't is crazy. Crazy. That's what we take from Iowa, where DeSantis clearly won the day. You can like it, not like it, don't care. DeSantis clearly won the day. It doesn't mean he won the war. It does mean... He won the day. Honesty requires this from us. Vivek Ramaswamy, he lost the day. That's obvious as well. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Often I discuss the reality that the political left, which is to say the progressives, the people who really buy into the communism, They believe in the end of the family. We saw this from Black Lives Matter and Patrice Cullors. These people are trained Marxists, and they believed in the end of the nuclear family. They wrote so on their website until people like myself and others really started paying attention, and then they deleted it from the website because that didn't look good for them. Always remember that the people who supported the organization Black Lives Matter supported communists. They supported Marxists. They supported the enemies of civilization. 
of free thought and free minds. And most importantly, they supported the end of the nuclear family. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Supporting the end of the family matters to the leftist, to the progressive, the, the, the nay communist, because the family is an impediment to control. If you don't have a family, there's no father and there's no mother, well, the state is clearly in charge because there is no hierarchy that is necessary to have a worthy family, a mother and a father. Parents, let's just call them parents for the sake of the argument. We have shown historically that it works. And we have shown historically that progressives who want power and control want to dominate. They can't have the family in the way. The family is an impediment. The same way religion is an impediment to their desires for control. This is historically speaking exactly what they fight against. So in San Francisco, there is a woman who wants to put together a club called the West Side Family Democratic Club. She's a Democrat. She's Asian. She wants to put together this club, and the San Francisco Democratic Party has people on it saying, how dare you? Family is nothing more than just a right-wing dog whistle. How dare you want to create a family? That's so disgusting. This is how opposed they are to family. You can't even have a club name that has family in it because if you do, well, that just means that you're just some right winger. You're controlled by the Republicans. You're taking Republican dollars. These people never stop. Their level of destruction and desire for destruction is bigger than you know. And how much do they oppose the idea of family? They won't even let Democrats have a family club. That's a lot of hate. This is Tony Katz today.